0: Welcome to the Community Colleges Australia podcast on governance. I'm Ellen Lee Beter. This episode focuses on purpose and strategy. You'll hear from Michael Newton and find out how his college, WEA Sydney, approaches their purpose.
1: So it did take a good year or so to work through a number of iterations of the words, but all of that was based upon everyone basically understanding what our organisation's background was.
0: But first, I'm joined by David Knowles. David is a partner at Coda Capital, and he's responsible for providing strategic advice to charitable and not-for-profit organisations. Why is it so important to have a good mission statement?
2: How do you know what you're trying to do without a mission statement? you can come up with a strategy but that's an aimless strategy what what for what purpose does the strategy exist it can only be because of the mission and again th- this is a comment directed to non-profits if you're a for-profit you've got commercial imperatives and financial goals and that's why you exist to make a profit at a simple in a simple level the non-profit doesn't have that goal if you make a profit it's a means to an end so what's the end why are we there
0: what's an example of a good mission statement
2: good mission statement for me has three things in it or or there are three things you can say about it one is it's short most i see are too long secondly it's specific in some way now it doesn't have to be specific in the sense that we will have done this by this date that might not be possible or desirable in the education space for example you might have the aspiration of doing what you're doing on an ongoing basis Uh, with a disease it may be um, the opposite and you may hope to eradicate a disease like polio by a certain date, right? But in some way, it has to be specific. It has to be very brief, and it has to be inspirational. So an example of one, um, if if you look at Fred Hollow's foundation, then very quickly, if you look at even just their website, you'll see that they are about eradicating avoidable blindness. I think they call it ending avoidable blindness, not eradicating, but it's short it catches the imagination it seems possible and it's specific we we know it's very clear what we're trying to do um, when you when we read that so that to me has the you know the essential ingredients of a good mission statement and it's one that you can quite easily buy into, which is ultimately as important as it is for people in the organization it's it's really important that people outside the organization who you supporters, your champions, your advocates, your funders. Um, it's really important that it's, that it's um, easily digested and inspirational to them.
0: What about your statement, at, mission statement at Coda Capital?
2: Well, that's interesting because um, we're a for-profit and you often have corporate missions. Uh, but let me tell you, I'm going to tell you my own experience. So within Coda, I run philanthropy and social capital. When I came here to set that up with Chris Wilson, who I worked with at JB Weir, Chris and I said that we have an opportunity to start with a clean piece of paper and we really want to have something that has a purpose over and above just commercial goals. Now that took a number of different forms, but essentially we very quickly came up with what we wanted to be here and that um, that we basically encapsulated by saying that we wanted to be the natural home for social capital and ideas. So we wanted we wanted the ideas um, that we came up with to be known by people and we wanted to be known as a place you could go for help, for support, for guidance, ideas. Um, but also we, in a commercial sense, we need to attract capital to Coda because that's what the business uh, needs in a commercial sense, okay? So for us, we tried to combine the idea that we do those two things. And then beneath that, we we set some personal and more private uh, mission, if you like, a more personal and private mission for ourselves that we would be able to look back on and say we'd done over and above the responsibilities we have at the firm so that we could be proud of the work we'd done and felt we'd help the community given the kind of work we do. We felt that was important. And whilst they're private, the thing I'll say about them that might be helpful is we actually call them our tombstone. So we don't call it our mission. We call it our tombstone, which is an idea I picked up from, uh, I think it was the Victorian... Um, Women's Trust in Melbourne and I got that idea and I really like it. I'll tell you why I like it. It's because missions are forward facing and tombstones look back. So we decided that rather than say we have an aspiration to do this, we said let's imagine it people are looking back and saying what did they do? And we found that was more, more powerful, a bit more motivating to us. So we have that and we call it our tombstone.
0: So you could have a mission statement and a tombstone potentially.
2: Absolutely right. I mean, yeah, so in our case you could say the mission is to become the natural home for social capital and ideas and then the tombstone, which is a list, you know, lists the other achievements or or the things that we felt we've been able to contribute.
0: What about a bad mission statement? What does that look like?
2: Um, So what did I say? Sure, inspirational and specific. It's obviously the opposite of that. The two things that I see as the most kind of common Problems with mission statements are, apart from the fact that they're too wordy, really make two mistakes. One is that they drift into the the, the realm of vision. So the vision might be world peace, but you're not going to achieve that yourself as an organization. We haven't done that yet, right? So realistically, what is your mission if you envisage your world with peace? So the ones that stray more into the beautiful vision are everything's perfect, um, often problematic, because it doesn't say what you're going to do to contribute to that. And the other mistake is that it really starts to talk about strategy or just the how you're going to do it. So your mission is, well, we're going to do this. But a lot of them talk about by doing this and this and this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and this is how we're going to do it. All those things might be important and interesting and they support you achieving the mission, but they're not the mission.
0: If you do see an organization with a poorly thought out mission statement, what does that say to you about? the organization?
2: I don't think it would be fair to say, well, it it says this Um, A couple of things that come to mind from when I've seen that uh, or been involved in that kind of thing is, well, first of all, they don't really know what they're there to do, right? So they've had to come up with something because they need it rather than because they're very clear on it. So at its worst, it tells you that the organization is not really clear on what it's trying to do and why it exists. That would obviously sound alarm bells, the other thing that often makes me think is is much more prosaic, which is that a group of ten to fifteen people have sat around a table, and or, or worse, you know, the whole every member of staff's been consulted in an ineffective way, and what you've ended up with is everything has been shoehorned in. Everything that, that came out during that process has been shoehorned in, and no one's been able to say, well, what's the essence? You know, which of those things can be jettisoned? Which of those things are absolutely central to what we do? If you can't do that, it all goes in, and it's half a page long and doesn't mean anything by the end of it.
0: What about a strategy? How does the strategy interplay with the mission statement?
2: To me, if you have a strategy and there's any um, lack of alignment between that and the mission, there's a problem. The strategy, to me, only exists to support the mission, okay? So it's it's how we, how are we going to get there? And the essence of strategy for me, it's nothing to do with a non-profit, I think it's universal, is competition. So the strategy essentially is saying, what market do we play in? What market do we operate in? And how are we going to beat all of the others that are trying to win in that market? Because ultimately, even in the nonprofit sector, where we think less about competition, there's competition for dollars and many other things. So strategy is saying, this is how we think, we will be able to achieve our mission and this is how we're going to do it when we're up against others who are also trying to do similar things.
0: So how how do you go about designing a strategy?
2: So again, you, you, I, I should have probably introduced myself by saying my name is broken record because I might sound <laughs> like one. You've got to start with the mission because the strategy supports that mission. So to me, that, that's the first thing. Competition is essential to look at. As I just said, you've got to look at Um, the landscape you're in you can't be ignorant of that or dismiss that because in this battle to achieve the mission you're going to have to face others who are trying to achieve it in different ways or have different objectives that just might undermine your own okay so competition is important then how do you design it input is really important you got to decide and it's not prescriptive but you must decide who's going to be involved and it might be for um very important morale reasons or engagement reasons that you engage a very wide group of people inside and outside the organisation. I think it's always wise to consult your stakeholders, however you define stakeholders. But there's there's got to be a level of input so that you can get as many good ideas and also get um, a sense of what people expect along the way. I think that's really important.
0: So we've got the cross-section. We're thinking about our competition and mission statement. Is there anything else that should be in that strategy document?
2: You've got to have... Um, very specific goals and targets. Otherwise, it's just, um, uh, you know, it's a nice aspiration to have. We, we, we aim to do this. Well, what are you going to do? When are you going to do it by? You've got to be able to know that you've done it. So it's got to be clear enough to say, well, we actually did that. The SMART goal, the, the acronym SMART, it is quite useful here in driving accountability. So, so I think specific, measurable, you know, timely, achievable, the other the other words in that um acronym they're very important in a a strategy and ultimately you need to support that with actions how are you going to do it often I see strategies that are quite high level and I often think that's because you haven't quite thought through what you're going to do and you haven't got the steps that are going to take you to that objective
0: and what's that SMART acronym
2: yeah so it's specific measurable achievable realistic and timed
0: and that's everything you need in a strategy.
2: That's Well, that's a good way to frame what you say to keep yourself accountable, right? I think that's really important. Another way of doing it is um, to think about who's responsible because if you don't have that accountability, then you might have the best strategy in the world but you won't actually be able to drive anyone towards it or hold anyone to account at the end of, of your strategic plan period if you've got one. Um, and there's a framework that I found very useful to help work out the responsibilities within a strategy. And it's, so I'm going on my my acronym um, love here, aren't I? Because I'm now onto a second one straight away. But the, this one is called the RACI framework, R-A-C-I. And the R is responsible. Uh, that's who's going to do the work. So that might be a CEO. Who, who has the main responsibility in the nonprofit might be the CEO. The A is accountable, and that is who they're ultimately accountable to. So that might be the board. They don't do the work necessarily, but they are the ones who are ultimately accountable for the strategy and to whom all others are accountable, right, that work on that particular um, project. The C in RACI means consult, and consult essentially says you don't have the right to make decisions, nor are you responsible for them, but you have the right to be consulted. So you will be told things, you'll be able to discuss things, and you'll have the ability to provide input. And then finally, the I is inform, and that is um, usually the largest group, and that um, that might be the general staff within an organization, say. And they have the right to be informed. They don't have the right then to engage and provide input uh, and discuss that issue, but they have the right to be told.
0: David Knowles, partner at Coda Capital. Now for a perspective from a college. Michael Newton is the Executive Director of WEA Sydney. WEA Sydney was established in 1913, and they are proud of how their organization has developed over the past 100 years. Michael begins by explaining the differences between a mission statement and an organization's objectives.
1: They're linked, obviously, very much together. Uh, You start off by saying, this is what we want to achieve. This is why we think we're here and what we want to achieve. And of course, to do that, you then do give yourself specific objectives to try and meet in that way. Some of those could be demographic objectives. We want to have many more people under 50 than over 50, or they could be more specific things about the types of courses uh, that you want to offer. Here at WEA, for example, we're very determined that we put on at least 40% of our courses in that old-fashioned term, the humanities, courses in history, literature, and so on and so forth. Now, those aren't things which are going to lead specifically to jobs, but the reason why we think they're good is because they fulfill that ability for people to develop a whole range of other mental and social abilities which will stand them in good stead in any setting.
0: Is there any examples you can think of where a poor strategy or a poor mission statement has created problems for an organisation?
1: I don't think it's so much about problems in that kind of way, but what it does mean is that without, let's call it leadership, without the leadership of a college that a mission statement provides the risk for a college is always that they will just jump from funding opportunity to funding opportunity. Now, that can be a good thing, of course. It might provide very good courses to meet some government outcomes. It might keep a handful of people employed in the college. But it does mean that a college like that is susceptible to the constant twos and fro's of where that money comes from. Having a good mission statement doesn't guarantee financial stability. But what it does at the very least is guarantee that everyone who's working within the college, what all those people realise that they're doing is attempting to all go in the same direction.
0: Tell me about the WEA process to develop this mission statement. What did you do? Who did you talk to? How long did the process take?
1: So it did take a good year or so to work through a number of iterations of the words But all of that was based upon everyone basically understanding what our organisation's background was. Ultimately, we think we got it right. Um, It wasn't a camel designed by a committee. It was something, however, that was quite hard.
0: And is it a case of sometimes you'll examine that mission statement and go, well, we need, the organisation needs to pivot, times have changed?
1: Yeah, and of course, that sort of requirement is absolutely there. Things change for everybody and change, as we know, has to be embraced in that way. So no mission statement can stay cast in stone forever. But if you feel as though what you're doing still meets what you think is your unique objective and you feel that that can't be replaced by any other college then there's nothing wrong with still maintaining that as a basic principle
0: who should the mission statement and the purpose and all this strategic planning, who should that be? Who's and, the audience?
1: Uh, that's a very good question. In fact, I mean, we, we're very proud of ours. So it's blazoned on everything from annual report to brochures to our website and that kind of way because we, we say, look, this is what we are. This is what we stand for. Uh, and we hope that that means that that will, in some ways, both attract people towards us as well as give them a wider understanding of exactly who we are. Ultimately, I guess you say it's it's almost an internal document as well, however. We're all made up of volunteers. We all have a membership base as non-for-profit colleges. We all have those sorts of support systems. And it's a constant need, I guess, to remind those people who support you exactly of what you stand for.
0: If you are a new board member and you've inherited a mission statement that is a bit wishy-washy or doesn't exist at all. Mm. What sort of strategies can you employ to encourage fellow board members to start to think about a mission statement?
1: I think there's some very good documents that flow around now. Community Colleges Australia have produced some of them, which are ways of boards to actually identify some of the opportunities that they should be looking at, some of the skills they should have. It's like an evaluation process. And included in some of those documents are questions that say, do you understand your college's mission statement? And what I would do in that setting is pass around one of those documents and look to see whether my fellow board members actually acknowledge that there was a mission statement. They don't have to recite it, you know, like the Lord's Prayer or anything like that, but they have to acknowledge. And if they couldn't acknowledge the mission statement or the need for one or the overall objectives, the reason for being for the college, then I would think that would be a broad invitation to go back to square one to guarantee that everyone was on the same page.
0: Michael Newton from WEA Sydney. Next episode is all about risk management. Teresa Collignon from Macquarie Community College and Phil Butler from the Australian Institute of Company Directors will be talking about reputational risk, financial risk and strategic risk. So risk will come in waves, I suspect, but there's always some kind of wave coming. And it's knowing whether it's a tidal wave or a little, little ripple is probably the bit that's a bit hard to work out. That's available now on the Community Colleges Australia podcast. This podcast is produced for Community Colleges Australia by Heaps Good Media, engineered by Miles Martignoni and produced and presented by me, Ellen Lee Bader. This series has been produced with funding from the New South Wales Department of Industry. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more, visit cca.edu.au.